0: The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. About a year ago that I saw these guys at Soldier Field. Is that one that I think was? It was
1: June, yeah. I was trying to it Seems like a lifetime ago. Soldier yeah, Field. Soldier
0: Field. I'd never been to Soldier Field before. Can I ever get you to a game there? No, no. That'll no, never happen. No, not gonna get me. Uh but yeah, it was about a year. There was their first it was their first concert since they had uh what happened? Mick Jagger got sick or something? Or That's
1: right. Didn't was there cancellation? Yeah, talk? I canceled yeah.
0: a bunch and then uh, they came back and uh Soldier Soldier Field was fun, but it was really fun. Uh anyways, we move on into our number two. Thanks for being with us. We're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Nate Bolton coming up in about fifteen minutes. He's an employment attorney. We want to pick uh, his brain on a number of legal issues that are percolating. Obviously at the top of that list will be if um you know if, if any of these former Hawkeye players that Felt that they were mistreated. If they have a leg to stand on legally, as Jade McDonald's mom said, that uh, uh, that her son is going to be filing a uh, lawsuit. So we'll get into that with Nate Bolton, and we'll talk Big Twelve uh, with uh, Matt Poston's uh, coming up at uh, eleven thirty-five. You know, one thing on on uh, away from football, but basketball-wise, when Iowa State came out, yet yeah, a number of schools have now said that they're going to get to
1: Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yep. They haven't said what they're going to do for the winter semester, right? Right, right. If it's going to start with just professors that are doing it via teleconference. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for basketball? (sighs) Because basketball will
0: have started by the time the first semester ends.
1: Well, and so many of these different schools are deciding, get up to Thanksgiving, that's when we're going to shut it down. Mm -hmm. That's when so many of those tournaments are happening. right. What does that mean for them when they get back and they get back to an empty campus and it's an empty campus till February, March, mm. April, the whole rest of the semester? Mm-hmm. No students at the games, right? I mean, this is this is a one one winter. You would think that it would be tough if you're a student to get into Carver. Well, and and thinking about just students in general, you know, everybody that lives off campus, are you signing a lease? Are you signing a lease for the oh. year right now? You know, that's
0: a great point, Trent. Because I know when Dane, my stepson. Uh, was at Ames mm-hmm. for eight years, whatever the hell it was. <laughs> so he got his master's. I, I had, so how long is that, four and then two after that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a year. You you sign mm-hmm. up. Even though school's out in May, you have yeah. to pay June, July, and into August, right? I thought, what a
1: racket. Yeah, and it's different in kind of different university towns. I remember, I think Iowa City was a little bit different than Cedar Falls, the way that it was set up and the way that, yeah, leases worked in that mm-hmm. angle. It's just... But you're sitting there and A, I've heard so many people mm-hmm. say I don't want to spend a full year of tuition again if if my son or daughter is going to school, but they're not actually going to school. Right. They're sitting in our basement right. and they're sitting on a hopping on a call for ten minutes and then they're done. Uh-huh. Back and to it, sleep. And now I'm I'm paying three, four, five thousand dollars a semester for that. Plus yeah. paying rent,
2: mm-hmm.
1: room and board, whatever it may mm-hmm. be. There's still so many questions involved there, and the basketball one certainly's got to be there at the forefront. Indeed, uh,
0: there's a number of NBA players that have questions uh, regarding their startup in Orlando. Trent, uh, there's an article on ESPN this morning. Forty to fifty players are, are holding daily conference calls. They don't know. There's no names attached to these players, but there's a bunch of players that are
1: reluctant to head to Orlando to resume play. They just don't think it's safe. Which I was a, a bit surprised because I. Maybe it was just my mind, a hopeful mind. But I thought we were past this point. I thought these concerns... Well, there are people that
0: will tell you we're about to, we're, we're seeing the beginning of a second wave. Right. I'm not gloom and dooming
1: because I'm with you. But uh, I, it felt like the players, at least when we initially uh-huh. heard the plan and everything else, that they had worked through these parts of it. And, and that also gives pause and concern on baseball, which we still are hopeful will no, be No,
0: Manfred said that 100% there will be baseball. There will be baseball, but... But it's if it's if worst case scenario is forty eight games, that's what they've agreed. That was I guess they signed some agreement back in
1: March. They did, yeah. And that was basically the salary is going to be your prorated salary. Uh-huh. The owners came back and said, well, that's also we didn't know at that time there wasn't going to be any fans in the stands. Oh,
0: that's what and I that's where
1: so this back and forth has started and continued now over the last month. But those particulars too, there will be baseball. But how many players? say, Wait a second. We have no kind of agreement in terms of what locker rooms are going to look like. Remember the showering? No showering in the yeah, locker room and yep. those types of things. There's still those hurdles that baseball has to overcome. Just taking the financial aspect away, that hasn't even been close to a resolution, and that's going to be there too. So, yeah, the NBA side, I was, I was, just it surprised me. I think I was listening to Windhorse yesterday mm-hmm. from ESPN talk about it and said, oh, yeah, they, they figured out maybe the easier part, this is what we're going to do, these are still people. Mm-hmm. These are still people with real concerns. And there's and, 40 or 50 of them that have yeah. real concerns. And that'll probably continue, and I'm sure that number is going to grow. And, and I don't see this as grandstanding. I don't see it no, as, I don't either. hey, can we get more money no, out of it? No, they're not, not trying to squeeze more money. No.
0: NBA players, I mean, come on. They yeah. need, look at the bank that they're taking home. Right.
1: Oof. I don't see it as that. I, I just think these are legitimate concerns,
0: and you have to uh-huh. listen to them. I, I'm with you. Uh, I totally agree. July 10th is when the NHL training camps... Uh, now, training camps, the stage, or not stage, phase three, they're calling it. So they're full speed ahead. They've got the date that's put out there. We still don't know where they're going to play mm-hmm. uh, in the, what do they call hub cities, hub cities. It will not be Minneapolis. No, not, no. That and, one was on the initial list was, of 8 or 10? It was on the list. No, it will not be Minneapolis. No. Uh, I don't know if Vegas makes sense, but... Um, We'll we'll see. All right, so we've uh, we're going to talk uh, to our friend Nate Bolton coming up here in about ten minutes. A number of issues with him, and again, one of them we've talked about at the beginning of the show uh, when it has to do with Duke Trent. This seems like it's such an easy make this go away, right? Pay the woman. She's she's clearly uh, uh, got a judge list, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't be listening to her. Mm-hmm. She has made her case strong enough that the judge believes she should be heard. And some of the baggage, some of the layers that are being exposed when it comes to Zion Williamson and the fact that you know the house that they should be renting, if it was you were to rent it here today, it's five thousand a month. They were getting it for eight hundred. It's not a bad
1: deal. Not a bad deal. <laughs> you know, the, Zion also just signed a uh, his Nike deal. With How much was it? Seventy five million dollars. Write the check. It's a, she wants a million bucks. Write the check. Make this go away. Right, Duke. Write the check.
0: Somebody from make Duke. this go away. This isn't a good look on no. on a um, on one of the marquee programs. But maybe there's just so
1: much else going on that, that they, they think, think that yeah, it'll blow over. This isn't going away. We'll be fine. We got Matt Poston's coming up later this hour talking Big Twelve. And looking back to last week when Oklahoma State, with their one allegation that was against them, their one count, yes, and what they got, uh-huh. his thoughts on what's going to happen with Kansas, or is this mm-hmm. going to be another one where the Blue Bloods, it still does feel like they play by a different set of rules we'll in look college at North basketball. Carolina. Yes. I mean, somebody was doing their was doing their schoolwork and they got nothing, mm-hmm. right? Look what happened to them in comparison to... Similar, it was an academic scandal at Minnesota with Clem Haskins, Mm -hmm. and how big of a deal, and the vacated Final Four, and all these things that happened to the Gophers, a middling and average college basketball program. Carolina has things that looked a lot more egregious than what had Minnesota happen. Eh, they're fine. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah, we'll see. All right, we'll
0: take a timeout. We'll grab uh, Nate Bolton. We'll get him in here. We'll pick his legal mind uh, when we continue. We're here until noon. Pat Matt Poston's coming up. He also uh, covers uh, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, so we'll uh, get a couple of Q questions in there uh, for him, but mostly on the Big 12 when Matt Poston joins us at 1135. Miller & Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on
1: 106.3 FM.
0: All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent and I with you until noon. Talk some Big 12 coming up here in about oh, 15 or 20 minutes with our friend Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports right now. Uh, as we've said a couple of times in the program, when we have a legal question, legal sports question, we pose it to our legal mind. Nate Bolton joins us. Hedberg and Bolton uh, is where you can find Nate Bolton. Uh, well, you can find him at the State House now, I'm assuming. But uh, Nate, uh, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming back on, Nate. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. Great to be visiting with you guys again.
0: I appreciate it. So, what's uh, you're back at your other job right now? What's it been like down at the uh, uh, at the State House since you guys got back?
3: You know, it's it's been a little strange. Um, you know, it's it's unusual that we we took a, a long pause for COVID nineteen, and now we're trying to, to figure out how to resume the session already in progress. So um, yeah, it's
0: it's been unusual. Now, a couple of issues that we want to get to. Obviously, the Iowa story uh, continues to uh, to be out there, and we've 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 heard from one of the uh, players who believed that he was wrong. Jaden McDonald uh, was going to play linebacker at the University of Iowa. It looked like he was going to get his chance, and according to his mom, uh, he she believes that he was caught up in uh, uh, in some of the allegations that have been put out there by now over four dozen players. How they. feel that they were mistreated. So my question to you, Nate, I posed it to Trent. He was no help. Uh, Not at all. (laughs) But I knew that you would be able to help. You know, would you take a case if a former Hawkeye football player felt mistreatment um, and, I mean, what grounds would they have and how difficult is this going to be to prove in your mind?
3: So um, one of the things I would say is remember when we talked about Pupu Palo, Yep. There's a difficulty in, you know, proving adverse actions when there's a lot of that in sport. Not everybody gets to play. Not everybody gets the same number of minutes, you know. So, so that makes it difficult to show that there was this retaliation when there's always competition for your role in, in the lineup and, and that going on. So that makes it difficult. That said, the Civil Rights Act protects your opportunities to equality in education, equality in employment, equality in public accommodation. That all covers things like educational extracurricular activities or your job as an assistant coach. So athletics a lot of times feels like it's immune to a lot of these laws that, that people believe are just kind of workplace laws. It's not the case. And if there's a pattern of disparate treatment that people are being treated differently because of their race, their, their ethnicity, that's going to be a problem. There's also the, the idea of disparate impact, having team policies that, that seem to have an adverse effect on one population versus another. So you may not be doing it intentionally to have that impact on uh, a population of players, but your system seems to be putting a group of players at a disadvantage. So Those two things are going to be looked at very carefully as more and more people are speaking up about their concerns about what's happening in the program.
1: Another question that that popped into my mind was these players that have gone on to the NFL, but maybe some of the negative comments that come out. When a scouting department comes through, when an organization comes through and asks coaches questions, what kind of liability is there, if anything at all, where you go back to Darrell Johnson-Culianos, even George kittle there was a story out right. there about, Doyle said, guy doesn't really work hard and he's kind of a goofball. And what, what that leads <laughs> to, coaches feeling like, I'm telling the truth, I'm trying to help out these organizations the best right. I can. So we're looked at positively, but deriding a person too much, how that plays out in the world of law.
3: So um, just like any other interference with employment prospects, there, there's a line that you cannot cross when you're talking about Uh, prospective employees or, or former employees that are looking for new jobs elsewhere. And that is, it, it, it's one thing to offer your opinions of someone. If you're offering your opinions though, by design to prevent them from getting future employment, basically the, the ill will, you know, wrongful motive type of, of opinions, like, I, I just don't like how that, that situation ended. Now I'm going to get at them and prevent them from getting a job anywhere else. That's where the line gets crossed. And so it's tough for an employee to prove that, that their former employer or in this case, a, a former coach has crossed that line into intentionally trying to interfere with my ability to earn a wage and get a job. But again, it's what's going to happen is if there seems to be a pattern of there's there's a blacklist here, or there is uh, a a particular race or ethnicity that has been getting a lot more of this type of targeted, you know, adverse comments to scouts and uh, and prospective employers. That's where the problem comes in, we don 't know if that's going on at Iowa or not, but that's where people are going to fuck
0: uh Nate Bolton is our guest, Hedberg and Bolton. Uh, they specialize in the law firm in workers' compensation employment law and labor cases, so yeah this is right in Nate 's wheelhouse so Nate, you know having said what you said, does it would you be surprised if I mean, it sounds like we know of one that's going to go forward. Might this open floodgates for these guys to, you know, to seek uh, legal help uh, against the University of Iowa? And then if if that seemed to be, you know, a a winnable case in Iowa, might this spread across the country?
3: And I think that that last point is going to be what we probably see more of, is once people started speaking out about their concerns at Iowa – you're probably going to have people at other schools saying, "Yeah, you know, I didn't know that there was an avenue for me to to do anything about it, but we we felt like we we were targeted at at X Y Z University, and and I think there are going to be a lot of programs that have to take a look at at, at their policies and how they've handled things, and and assess it, is there a systemic problem in our university or not, and. It's going to depend on athletes, particularly former athletes, coming forward and talking
0: about things. What kind of compensation are we? T- I mean, is, is in the ballpark number, Nate? What kind of compensation might some of these um, players be seeking? Any idea?
3: So it, it it can can range to what your actual losses are. If you believe that you could have had a promising. NFL career but for the actions that were taken against you that that were illegal then we're talking millions of dollars uh but that's kind of goes into to one of the topics we worked on earlier in this session of while while you're at a university you're prohibited from earning income related mm-hmm. to your athletic endeavors so you haven't lost any wages while you were if there's retaliation going on or or disparate treatment going on There's not really a lot of damages associated with the dollars and cents for your career during those four years. It's what those four years could have led to afterwards.
1: Nate, I had a question as we look forward and we look to college sports returning, leaving the pros aside at least here for a moment. College athletes with COVID-19 happening, the liability aspect, is this as simple as, hey, your scholarship's still good if you don't want to play, we'll talk about that, but... The liability, somebody is stricken with COVID-19, and Mm -hmm. afterwards, it's a lung condition that develops, and they never become the pro that they thought. How that comes back to the university and the athletic department?
3: Great, timely question. So the Iowa Senate just last night uh, dealt with immunities and COVID-19 and what, what the liability is for um exposures on, on your property or at, at your facilities or your business. And I, I guess I all I can say is stay tuned to see what happens with that. But generally you have a duty of care to people that that are your your guests in on your property or people that, that you know you have as customers in your business to prevent them from harm. Uh specifically harms that, that you should know exist and COVID-19 obviously is a global pandemic, so people are aware it's out there. So you, you need to show some basic level of understanding that you have a duty to protect those that have come to you for your business um, to from infection. So that's a long-winded answer, too. We're going to learn a lot from COVID-19 going forward, and that's to be determined.
1: How does that pertain to fans making their way into Jack Trice Stadium, Kinnick Stadium, coming up this mm-hmm. fall. Even if it is reduced capacity, you know what? I was less than six feet away from somebody, or walking into the building. Those types of things. Right. Yeah, how that you were, come back? You were, you were within
0: six feet of the grocery
1: store. And, the, so you, you know what I mean? Right, right. It, but people are going to certainly, yeah. you would guess, make that kind of determination.
2: Right,
3: and that's exactly it, And it's it's not as much a six feet thing as it is. People are going to look at it and say well, wait a minute, why weren't there any hand sanitizer stations? Why what not you know, okay. there are going to be just things like that, that are steps that you would have most reasonably pe- reasonable people would look at it and say, that should have been there and it wasn't. And then, you know, 5,000 people came away from a, a football game with COVID-19. Would that have prevented it? Maybe we don't, we don't know, but certainly that step wasn't taken and that increased the risk. So, you know, those are the things that are going to be looked at eventually.
0: Uh, Nate, I want to ask you about uh, the Duke situation uh, with Zion Williamson and a former manager of his that uh, he had signed with. Uh, she was going to represent him. They're not asking for the moon, this former manager. Zion Williamson, Trent pointed out early in the show, just signed a $75 million contract with Nike. That's on top of what he's making as the number 1 overall draft pick. Uh, in the second right. contract, he's going to break the bank. I assume if you went to Duke uh, that there's a pretty good uh, alumni base there that has a whole lot of money, somebody, a basketball fan, willing to write that check. I'm surprised this has got as far as it has gotten. Now it's starting to get the Discovery uh, inside discovery. We now yeah. know that you know that the Williamson's parents lived in a house that should have been paying five thousand a month. They got it for eight hundred. Dot dot dot. How did it get this far?
3: Uh, so so it's. I don't know if it's a game of chicken that both both sides lost, or or what has happened here. Uh, or it could easily be one one side is is just looking to. You know, get this out there. That's more important than dollars and cents. Um, a lot of factors go into to why things get get far in the litigation process, but there's no doubt this is going to be really messy and there are going to be a lot of uncomfortable questions to be answered in the college recruitment process, in agency and, and college athletes. I mean, it, this is. This is going to be something that that truly may change the face of college athletics because people are going to finally see what's going on behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, maybe if I'm Roy Williams and I, what Roy Williams I write the check just to keep it away from some of the other blue bloods. I mean, who knows. Uh Nate, uh, last thing if if um you know Chris Doyle seemingly is on pretty thin ice over uh at the University of mm-hmm. Iowa. I don't know if coaches uh, I we asked Mark Morehouse this earlier. He said that he's never seen anything and you would have thought that this would have been public knowledge. I'm talking about NDAs. Uh if um you know if he's able to speak do you think there would have been an NDA signed there and and would this have fallen I mean we don't know if there was what kind of how big the scope was but this seems like it would be outside the scope. I could see him not wanting to share plays or you know how Chris uh, Doyle right. is uh, has trained his athletes over the years but th- would this fall under an NDA?
3: So um you're exactly right. The 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 kind of trade secrets that you would expect to be covered in an NDA. This doesn't relate to those. To to take your your plays, your, your 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 you know training schedules and and ship them off to another university for a payment or a job, you know that that would you would expect that to be in you know a contract. Uh, it gets a lot murkier when you're starting to talk about conditions of employment and and civil rights violations and your ability to respond to civil rights violations. That's. We have plenty of laws that prohibit retaliation for participating in the civil rights process that protect your ability to talk with others about your wages, hours, conditions of employment, um, and particularly with a public employer. So um, there's going to be, I think he's going to have a pretty wide latitude to talk about the workplace conditions aspect of this.
0: Mm. And Nate, in our final 30 seconds, uh, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'll let you answer. It sounds like you would not you would, would not at all be surprised if these former Hawkeyes that felt that they were wronged by the program and left the program, that they do not take legal action. That would surprise you if they would not, right?
3: With the number that have come forward and, and the things that they've said at, at this point, it sure seems like, they have an idea of, of doing something about it,
0: yes. Nate Bolton, Hedberg and Bolton, we'll let you get back to your day job, which uh, keeps you at the legislature right now. Nate, thank you as always. Great to speak with you, Nate Bolton.
3: Thanks. Take care.
0: Good to talk to you. Full disclosure, Nate was my uh, employment attorney. Um, good stuff? Yeah. Sounds like the, Nate believes, and this, again, this is his wheelhouse over there. No doubt. Uh, that he would be surprised if there isn't uh, some of these hawks. Former Hawks uh, do come forward and do have a leg stand on by the sounds Mm -hmm. of things. Uh, Matt Poston's on the Big 12 next. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Get Hope. Hopelawfirm.com. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Mix it up on you every once in a while. Fourteen sixty KXNO and, and one hundred six point
1: three FM. I think people tune in for our bumps. Oh, do they? I think so. Sometimes more than the content. Yeah, well, but usually about half of them are Stone songs for you. Uh, yeah, and I, pre- I appreciate that. Let's get Matt Poston's uh, in here. HeartlandCollegeSports.com.
0: He joins the program. Uh, Matt Trenton Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you?
2: I am good, guys. How
0: are you? Doing well. We're going to get to Oklahoma State and the basketball and what this might mean for Kansas coming up. But I want to start football, if that's okay. I think we asked you this a couple of months ago uh, when we were, maybe it was even pre-COVID, uh, when we thought that we were about to embark on spring uh, football. Uh Charlie Brewer's status at Baylor, I mean, the concussions, uh, so many of them, have you heard anything? Has there been a decision as whether Charlie Brewer is going to try and get back on the field to play a game that he uh, that he loves?
2: As far as I know, he's playing. I mean, it's it's really hard to to kind of dig into that a little bit right now when you know that uh, he's had neck and, and concussion issues uh, in the past. Um, since we didn't have the spring uh, practice or spring practices like we usually do. Uh, every year, uh, there's really no, uh, really no opportunity to talk to him that much. But uh, when you look at uh, look at the spring and you look at the few interviews that he's done, it uh, sounds like he's watching tape. sounds like he's working, mm. working out on his own. sounds like he's preparing as if he's going to be the starter in 2020. And we've heard nothing from Baylor to the contrary. So uh, I, I think certainly based on his history of Bears watching and Bears monitoring as he goes into the season, but based on what little information we have out there, it sounds like Charlie Brewer's uh, going full speed ahead for 2020.
1: Speaking of the quarterback position and quarterbacks inside the state of Texas, UT's quarterback, Sam Ellinger, his uh, the comments, what he has been doing during this time. He has uh, certainly gone up in the level of a lot of people's mind, not just what he is as a quarterback and physical nature that he plays with, but as a person certainly has raised up in his profile over the last few weeks.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, he he drove some uh, drove some charity endeavors uh, earlier in the spring after COVID started. Uh, Certainly, uh, he's been up front as a team leader uh, during everything that has happened in Austin over the past week when it comes to Black Lives Matter and the uh, uh, different protests that have gone down in the Austin area. Uh, and certainly, you know his Heisman odds. Those came out earlier this week. He's considered one of the leading contenders for the Heisman Trophy in terms of the Vegas odds. So, um, I don't think anybody's ever questioned this guy's leadership qualities uh, in his time at Texas. Uh, I think the question is is whether you know he can uh, attain the level on the field that he had in 2018 when he led the uh, Longhorns to the uh, to a Sugar Bowl victory. Uh, and not have a, a bit of a step back like he had last year. And admittedly, the whole team steps back a little bit. But when you're the quarterback at the University of Texas, uh the team steps back, everybody thinks you take a step back. And, you know, Ellinger's play was a little bit uh, more uneven than it had been in 2018. Uh, I think uh, what he's looking for right now is consistency in 2020. Uh, he's got to break in some new receivers, new receivers because uh, they left for the NFL – Uh, But uh, I I think he could be in line for a really good season.
0: Hmm. Matt Poston, Heartland College Sports, uh, is our guest. Uh, The the league is stacked quarterback-wise yet again. We think that there's a pretty good one that uh, plays in our state here in Brock Purdy, uh, who will be a junior here at Iowa State. My question is about Oklahoma. Uh, Boy, the shoes that Spencer Rattler uh, and we assume he's going to win the position. Uh, the shoes that he's being asked to fill continue. Uh, considering you know the three that have preceded him,
2: is he up to it? That's a really good question. I mean, he's actually got really good Heisman odds right now if you look at what what they are in Vegas. And a lot of that is on reputation. You know, when mm-hmm. you when you have two guys that have won Heisman's and Baker Mayfield and Colin Murray, and a third last year and Jalen Hurts who finished second, who and maybe another year might have won the Heisman uh, based on his play, uh, then the expectations are sky high uh, for him at Oklahoma. Um, he didn't play the football much. I mean, he's obviously, he was obviously highly recruited coming out of high school. Uh, he's playing for a head coach that uh, seems to have this quarterback whisperer reputation. But I, I think this is a little bit more interesting because if you look at Mayfield and Murray and Hertz, while all three of them are undeniably talented, None of them started at Oklahoma. They all transferred in. So there was some level of college training that they had on the job as starters at other colleges before they got to Oklahoma. Rattler doesn't have that. I think that's a really interesting dynamic to watch this year as we see you know whether or not Lincoln Riley and his staff can kind of build a quarterback from the ground up because when you think about those other three guys and the experience they got at other schools, That helped them acclimate to the system at Oklahoma. Rattler will know the system. I think it's the on-field stuff, the decision-making, those kinds of things that make a quarterback a quarterback. I think he'll be learning those things a little bit more on the job this year.
1: Talk with Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. You can find him on Twitter, at Poston's Postcard. Matt jumping over to the basketball side of things. Last week, the decision handed down from the NCAA banning Oklahoma State from the 2021 NCAA tournament. Oh, by the way, they're bringing in the number 1 player in the country. What does that mean for him? Uh, certainly a part of it, but well, let's just start right there. Oklahoma State, from what we've seen in the past and, and the allegations that were there, seemed heavy-handed.
2: This is a pretty significant penalty, and I'll, uh-huh. I'll look at a continuum real quick. So, my alma mater, Stephen F. Austin, got hit by uh, the NCAA a couple of weeks ago. We misreported our academic progress rate for several years. We apparently can't do math. <laughs> but anyway, we got hit with a three year postseason or a three year probation, a one year postseason ban, which I think will be 2021 and 2022. And we have to vacate a lot of our wins and conference titles and things like that. That was for one level one violation, and that was a mitigated settlement with the NCAA. Oklahoma State only had one level one violation. That was tied to uh, the uh, uh, bribery charges against the former assistant coach, Lamont Evans, which, yeah. by the way, happened four years ago And right. the NCAA, is finally getting around to doing this. So now it's three years of probation, a one-year postseason ban for both the Big 12 tournament and any other postseason after that. They've also got probation, uh, curtailment. They're going to lose three scholarships a year for the next three years. I mean, this is a pretty big hit when you think about going from academic progress rate to one level one violation. It it was a little more than what I was expecting, to be honest with you. Not that not that punishment isn't deserved in this situation, but when you think about the amount of punishment that they've dished out to Oklahoma State based on one level one violation, it's I don't know. I I think they're trying to send a message to the rest of the NCAA. But if they are, this is a really significant message that the organization's handing out.
0: No doubt about it. We'll get to Kansas in a second. One more on Oklahoma State. Kate Cunningham, number one player in college basketball coming in. He's going to be, you know, if you look at a, a, at, uh, a mock 2021 NBA draft, he's, uh, he's at the top. He's the consensus number one pick in next year's NBA draft. Does
2: he stay there? That's a good question. Uh, At least one of their recruits has already declared that he will be uh, coming, a guy who's in that class coming into the fall. He's already decided that he's going to come to Oklahoma State despite what happened. Uh, We have not heard anything related right now to Cade Cunningham not going to Oklahoma. There's a lot of speculation about it. I mean, he could go to the G League. He could go overseas for a year make some money, come back for the NBA. All he has to do is basically sit out a year. Uh, but at this point in time, I know Mike Boynton reportedly has called all of his players. Uh, he's talked to several of them. I'm assuming he's talked to Cunningham by now. And remember this, Carson Cunningham's brother is on Mike Boynton's right. staff at Oklahoma State. So it's not just a, I want to go make some money overseas kind of thing. There's also a family element involved with that. So, you know, if Cunningham comes to Oklahoma State, he comes knowing he won't go to the postseason If that's important to him, he might go somewhere else. If that's not that big a deal to him, then maybe he goes to Oklahoma State anyway.
1: Let's get deeper into the Kansas side of this equation as you look at the allegations handed out for them. Now, there's nothing that has changed at the top of the staff, obviously, with Bill Self. and. Oklahoma State, when we're talking about this, they've gone through a coaching change, not mm-hmm. just the assistant coach that was gone, but also the head coach as Boykin took over as Underwood made his way up to Illinois. When you look at Kansas, how much are they sweating? Remember, they, as Ken points to be five counts against them, but they have played themselves as the victims in this whole thing. <laughs> Poor Kansas.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting because, as you mentioned, five level one violations one of those is levied against Bill Self himself. And it's a violation that could very well lead to a one-year probation uh, for Bill Self. Uh, You know, I'll put it like this. Bruce Pearl did less at Tennessee and got, I think, a three-year show cause. Mm. Like, he left Tennessee and couldn't coach for three years. And that's basically what a show cause does. It basically keeps you from coaching for a certain period of time. And what... Bruce Pearl did at Tennessee is a lot less than what Kansas and Bill Self are being accused of right now. All of this is tied to the FBI investigation into college basketball. Arizona's tied into it. Louisville's tied into it. And if you look at what Kansas did and and the amount of allegations that are against them, you have to think that if Oklahoma gets a a one-year postseason ban and three years of probation and three years of scholarship reductions, you have to think the NCAA is going to level up and come down much harder on Kansas than they would in Oklahoma State. But the variable here is that the NCAA, as we know, they are almost never consistent when it comes to these things. And there are two factors here. One is the Kansas factor. They're one of the game's blue bloods. Uh, you know, when Kansas isn't playing good basketball, the game diminishes a little bit. Uh, and the other thing is that unevenness of penalties. You know, think about the North Carolina situation. They had dozens of student athletes who took state classes for years. They never got punished for it. And it was only because those classes were also available to regular students. It, it's, it, it's sometimes farcical the way the NCAA weighs different things. I think Kansas should be sweating. I think they should get a stiffer penalty if the continuum to them is from Stephen F. Austin. You know, one year postseason ban, three years probation, one scholarship loss for not reporting APR correctly to Oklahoma State for one level one violation for bribery to five level one violations for Kansas. The punishment has to be more severe for them than it was for Oklahoma State.
0: Interesting. I know your colleague Pete Mundo did a one word for every team in the Big Twelve. Back to football. Uh, Iowa State's is hump. Is in get over the hump. Uh, this could be look. The, they've clearly their offense. They got some guys. Defense. They lost some guys um, from afar. Iowa State is will ended on this. Uh, Iowa State football this year. Hump fits. Can they get over that hump?
2: I think they can. I think what the, I think what Matt Campbell has done there is pretty remarkable in terms of just the culture that he's built there uh, over the past few years. Uh, this is a guy who wanted to be there, uh, who has, uh, you know, honestly, either passed up opportunities to go to other places or uh, just hasn't entertained uh, the thought of pursuing other jobs. At least at this point in his career, he likes being at Iowa State. He is completely turned around the culture there at that, uni- at that university and that program and made it to where you know, kids in state want to come to Iowa State as opposed to going to Iowa or as opposed to going out of state. They see it now as more of a destination. And I think that as long as that culture continues to perpetuate itself, as long as the players continue to buy into what he's talking about and the things that they're capable of doing, uh, I think they see an opening. You know, obviously Oklahoma's gonna be very good but they got a new quarterback. Texas has been uneven the past few years. Uh TCU's in need of a quarterback. Baylor's gonna be really good, but they're also transitioning a new head coach. So there's an opening there. It's a small opening for them to end up in the top two in the conference, but there's an opening there. And I think when you think about the way that Brock Purdy and that offense has played uh, the past couple of years, I think they could have a really big year offensively and that could give that defense enough time to get to a point where when you get into mid-October, November, where they'll be in a position where they can give them quality support and maybe get them into the Big 12 championship game finally. I think they're a contender. Uh, I think the window's small, but I think they're a contender.
0: College football yearbook coming out. Uh, Trey Lance is on the cover this year. North Dakota State, if if football fans don't know him, they will. This is a gifted player, and he's a top-ten pick in next year's draft. Uh, COVID hasn't you guys, uh, scared you guys away from doing your preparations for the 2020 season. How can folks uh, get a hold of that, Matt? Uh,
2: We're still working on the yearbook. I mean, there's, there's things that are changing Canadian college football Cancelled itself the other day, so we're uh, making some edits there. NAIa has pushed back its uh, start date a couple of weeks, so we're trying to get the book as up to date as possible. But we'll, we hope to have it done by the end of June and have it out at uh, Amazon, uh, have it out at Barnes and Noble online in both places. And uh, we're hoping that we'll have a, a kind of an e edition this year as well, maybe right. through issue. Uh, we're still working on that, but uh, uh, yeah. We're, we're pressing along as if there's going to be a football season. I think there will be a football season. It's going to be interesting to see how it all develops. Um, and I'll say this, you know, maybe some of the smaller schools might decide to cancel at the last minute, but I think the bigger schools like the Iowa States and the Texases, they're going to play this year. And if they have to play without fans, they'll play without fans. Because at the end of the day, they have one piece of the equation that none of these other schools have in these lower divisions and that's the TV money. The athletic programs need the TV money to help keep everything running. Matt Poston's
0: Heartland College Sports. Matt, thank you as always. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Matt Poston's Posting's postcards on Twitter. All right, that's going to do it. Murph and Andy will be up next. That's their next local programming. They start at 2. The Fanatics at 4 in the morning rush will begin a Friday at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon weekdays 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.